they're not asking for the Biden administration to implement Trump policies that were working that kept these immigrants, illegal immigrants out of their city. They're asking for more money. They want billions of dollars of more money. We can't afford it. It's not sustainable. We're kicking kids out of schools to be able to make way for illegal immigrants. It's an issue that is has been allowed to uh, uh, fester under this administration, which is why I'm hoping in November you're going to see a complete change, um, um, not only in the president in the president's seat, but also in the House and in the Senate. All right, folks, welcome to the Sean Spicer Show. It is Wednesday. What does that mean? We're over the hump because it's after like five o'clock. So you got two days left of the work week. That's not tough. We're going to get through these together. So you can be my Valentine tonight. I'll be your Valentine. But it's also a little interesting because today is the first day of Lent. It's also Ash Wednesday because of that. Uh, so the church is on a little bit of a, you know, hey, I hope you celebrated uh, Ash Wednesday or Valentine's Day yesterday because today is a day of fasting. So it's also an excuse to get out of a of an expensive dinner. Now, well, I'd love to take you out somewhere, honey, but it's Ash Wednesday and it's a day of fasting. Uh, I have given up all alcohol for 30 plus years for these 40 plus days because uh, I do the whole Sunday thing. I don't cheat. You know, there's some people who say, oh, it's Sundays don't count. I, I'm all in. Uh, and this year I'm adding sweets to that. I really want to get in shape. So before the summer. I, if you have something you're giving up, let me know in the bio if you're watching this uh, in the comments section on YouTube or Rumble or or uh, go to the website, join my VIP group, seanspicer.com slash VIP to, to tell us what you think. But I'd love to know what else because I'm always intrigued whatever else is giving up for Lent. Uh, I know some people who aren't even uh, that religious do something for Lent for, for their own purposes, but uh, it's actually interesting. I always tell people, by the way, it's not just what you give up. The whole idea is that you grow closer um, and that you use these 40 days so you can add something to your life. Some people like to to you know do something positive um, that adds something is and grows them closer and makes them more reflective. And so I do a variety of other things as well. Um, I try to become more spiritual during this time, but that's another show. Anyway, uh, two big things happening last night. The Santos special election in New York's third district, and then this vote to impeach Mayorkas. I've got Congressman Beth Van Dyne on the show uh, to break both down. She did not vote to expel Santos, by the way, because uh, she didn't think it was fair. He hadn't been convicted, and now we are down. Let me break that down for you, and then we'll have our conversation with her. This wasn't just, look, first of all, I said this yesterday on the record, So, but I've always said special elections are special. People aren't used to voting at that particular time and place, so... I, I want to be clear. I there are always takeaways, things that you did well, things that you could improve upon in any election, especially a special. But they are special, and so I don't tend to read too much of them. I know the media gets all excited and says, "Oh, this is a you know a vision of of what November could look like." No, it's not. But it wasn't just a close race. Uh, the Dems won by like ten points, fifty thousand votes. Um, that's a big deal. The Republicans came in late They to with funding. He was Tom Swazi, the guy who won the seat, a former congressman, a very high name identification. The weather was horrible yesterday in New York. Uh, he had more money on his side. He had talked about immigration, saying that it was a problem. So he embraced the, the issue that we talk about a lot. Um, and we had uh, an unknown candidate. Now, I actually thought she was a pretty good candidate in terms of um, she, uh, she had been in the Israeli Defense Forces. Uh, she'd gotten elected to the Nassau, Nassau County Board. So she she wasn't a spring chicken. 
um, as candidates and political folks go. And she had an impressive resume without too much baggage because, you know, they were attacking her for Donald Trump and the rest of the party because she didn't really have a, a long time voting record uh, that you could attack. The ground game did not look impressive. Um, but this, uh, this to me is the best environment we're ever going to get as Republicans. And we, we lost it. We went from a three-seat majority to a two-seat majority. So everything going forward, two people can sink. Or it's not even just sink. What if they're traveling? What if they're out of town? What if they're sick? What if their plane gets late? We can barely get things done. And now we're going to go with a two-seat majority. A self-inflicted two-seat majority. I think it was Sarah Gonzalez in one of the panels a couple of weeks ago that brought this up. I also want to talk to you about my friends at Bishop Gold. The economy is nuts. You see the ups and downs of the stock market. One of the things that I did was I made precious metals part of my investment strategy. I called the folks at Bishop Gold, right? So you can call them 844-984-1616, or you can go to bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean and have a conversation with them about maybe an IRA or a 401k or just adding this to your investment strategy. I did this. When I talk to you about products that I use, and I know you get hit up by gold groups all the time, I trust the people at Bishop Gold Group. I sat down, I called them, and had a conversation about what I could do, what made sense for me. And they can either ship it to you, they can hold it for you, they can talk to you about how you can liquidate it at some point if you need to get rid of it but they will have a conversation about what's best for you and your particular investment strategy. So go to bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean, and you'll have a special promotion there to begin your journey with precious metals. Trust me, I love these folks. They're great. bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean to begin your investment strategy with precious metals. We, we get rid of our own. We, we live to this higher standard. Bob Menendez is walking around the center from New Jersey. And just this morning, new revelations coming about, about like jewelry that his wife got. We were supposed to win this race. Take a listen to what Mike Lawler, a congressman from New York from that area. And then I want to let me just play that for you. From everything I'm hearing, a turnout in Republican precincts is up. Uh, Democrat precincts are average. Uh, and so I think tonight you're going to see Mozzie beat Swazi. Uh, Tom Swazi will be a six-time loser by the end of the night. All right. That was Lala. This was supposed to be, we, we should have won this district. And then here's George Santos himself last night on News Nation talking about it. These are what I called disenfranchised, self-radicalized Democrats who are voting Republican for the last two election cycles. So if that's where the bulk of the majority of the Democrat turnout is, Swazi's underwater, he's in trouble. I've seen the numbers. I've won both parts of this district. Great Neck by 79% of the vote. Jericho by 54% of the vote. So, and with majority of Democrats having turned out. So if those are where the numbers are falling tonight, she wins this by easily two to four points. So- Look, as I said, I don't want to spend a ton of time rehashing all of the, you know, it was the weather's fault. Yes, there were factors not in our side, but we got smoked. 50,000 votes, 10 points. This wasn't close. So I hope to God the folks at the NRCC, the National Republican Congressional Committee, the chairman, Richard Hudson from North Carolina, and the rest of the leadership is saying, all right, guys, what are we doing so that we don't do that again? These, all these things should be in our favor right now with, with, I mean, Biden and the border and the rest of the chaos that's happening, inflation, uh, interest, higher interest rates, things are, I mean, people are paying more. We are all paying more at the grocery store. This, we were playing with a full house. You shouldn't have been able to lose this hand. And we got smoked. So if you're sitting back right now, do I, like I said, do I want to go nuts and light the house on fire? No, but don't walk away thinking nothing's wrong. 
we should have won this district. I mean, we had a voting record for a guy, Swazi, who, I mean, we could have used a lot against him. He's a liberal. He's going to vote for all the leftists and all their policies. And I, I just, this was your warning. Okay. So did, is this mean that we should, you know, completely freak out? No, but it does mean, Hey, look, you're getting that warning sign. You're going to the doctor and they're saying, are you sick, sick yet? No, but here are the changes you need to make to your lifestyle to make sure that you're not going down that road in a, in a year from now. So we should get the message and we should change things. And I want to leave that off because a smaller majority doesn't just, it, it's now going forward. How do we get things done? We've got spending bills that still need to get passed. This is what this whole thing with McCarthy, we got rid of them, was because we wanted to get rid of issues. We wanted to address the appropriations process and get spending back on regular order. Well, guess what? The time keeps getting shorter and we have a smaller majority now. So I want to get into this though with Beth Van Dyne. She's a congresswoman from Texas. She represents the Dallas-Fort Worth area. She's been a leader on immigration and on spending and all this stuff and on the border. So getting her perspective, how do we move forward? And obviously, you know, we did get a major victory last night impeaching Mayorkas. So let's kick it off with her, get some stuff. And then I do want to talk to you after her uh, conversation about where we go forward from here. And what else is, by the way, there's some things going on at the White House that uh, are of interest that I'll, I'll tell you about. But first, let's get this going with Congresswoman Beth Van Dyke. Congresswoman, good to see you. Um, there's a lot to get to that happened yesterday. And I, I yeah. want to start with sort of, I don't even know if I'd call it the bad, because I think it leads yeah. into the good. And the bad was we lost a special election last night in New York's third district. Yeah. Um, what, what are your takeaways from that race, from what you've seen, if anything? Well, look, I mean, we did not have a good showing of Republicans that came out to the polls. Now, you can blame that on people not being excited, it being a special election and numbers being down. You can blame that on the weather. You know, I know that they, that they, they had terrible snow uh, in New York. But the fact is, is that we lost a seat. Right. Uh, we already had a very, very narrow, very thin majority. We lost a seat. Uh, you know, I'm hopeful that we're going to be able to pick that back up in November, you know, when, when people actually know that there's an election that gets that gets advertised. But uh, it, it's, it's tough being in the majority and having such a narrow majority. But it was also terrible precedent that uh, we set when we kicked that member out of his seat right. um, before he had been able to go to court, before he had uh, really had his time to even be found guilty of anything. I, I think it was a terrible precedent that we said I voted against, you know, kicking him out. But uh, you know, the, the majority of our members did. That happened. And now we, we lost a seat to a Democrat last night. You know, it's funny you bring that up. Like Santos tweeted out last night, minus one, right? I mean, we're down now to a two-seat majority. And I'm waking up this morning reading stories about how Bob Menendez, the New Jersey senator, his wife was getting all sorts of necklaces and things like this. And I hear over and over again from our side, from activists on our side, why yeah. do we always do this? We, we go after our own, you know, to your point, he hadn't been convicted of anything. We throw him out. Um, we give them a victory while their side sits there with a dude who's got gold bricks stuffed in yeah. a vest that has his name on it and the seal That's of the United States. It's a great question, John. It's a great question. And I, I'm with you. Like, I, I, I can make a bunch of excuses, right? I mean, it's it's like football or, or any game. Like, at the end of the day, a loss is a loss. You can yeah. help mitigate it or explain it away. 
But I do, I am concerned uh, about what that portends for November because this wasn't like razor thin. Um, Tom Swazi blew this thing out and every all day long people were saying, well, you know, here's the different factors. What I worry about is, and I, I look, I've said special elections are special, right? I, I've been through enough of them. You can, but, but there are takeaways. And I worry about whether there's a compelling message, whether there's a get out the vote and the mechanics are right. Sometimes we just were victim to the fact that, um, you know, there's a better candidate and the mechanics or whatever. But I am concerned about what that portends for November and wonder how much you guys as a conference are going to double down and say, okay, we lost this race, but here's what we're doing. Well, I mean, they actually did have a conversation, as you can imagine, this morning in conference about it and, you know, doubling down and making sure, you know, there's a, what, $25 million was spent on that that special election. I mean, a lot of money, I mean, ridiculous amount of money was spent on that election. But, you know, November is going to be a, is going to be a burner. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have, you know, races across the country. Obviously, you got the, the presidential race is going to be huge and on the forefront. Lots of money is going to be spent on that. Um, and I think you're going to see Met the Republicans having a very strong message when we start yeah. talking about what's happening at the border, when we start talking about what's happening in our economy, you know, what's happening with national security. Those things are affecting everybody all across the country. And I think that's a very strong message. Republicans are passing, you know, bills that are solutions to those things. We're talking about solutions. We're seeing an administration that is one by one taking down everything that was working under the previous administration. I've seen 18% increase in inflation since Biden's taken over. You've seen over 10 million illegal immigrants come into our country since Biden's come in. Um, you've seen wars that are breaking out over in, um, you know, in, in Ukraine, um, in Israel that we never saw before. And these are all happening under this administration. At the same time, but don't you? Think, don't, that, yeah. That's but you. You just summed it up exactly. You gave a great elevator speech, and I hear Beth Van Dyne say that, and I go, "Okay, I'm on your team. I vote for you." Um, but that's what I what worries me the most about what happened last night. New York is seeing this massive influx of of uh, migrants, illegals that are taking jobs, that are taking over schools, kicking literally. We, the deck is stacked in our favor. I mean, yeah. there isn't the most hardened liberal that can honestly tell you what's going well into the Biden administration coming on the heels of a special counsel report that just talks about how like the guy's not with it. And then we lose a special election by 10 points. And I'm thinking to myself, like she, on paper, she seemed like a good candidate. I know President yeah. Trump went after her for not endorsing him, but I mean, she fit the perfect model of, you know, she was a woman of color. She had a background um, of, of service and, you know, she's a tough woman and has had fought in the Israeli defense forces. I just, I go, if, if a woman like that, now granted she did get outspent and all that kind of stuff, the weather was bad and all those things, he had high name ID, et cetera. But I, I agree with everything you just said. And I go, okay, I get worried though, because everything should be falling in our direction. No, you're right. I mean, things should be falling and it's our job. And I say our job, not just Congress, you know, the Republicans in Congress job, but all of our jobs to be talking about those issues. Yeah. We, we tend to, you know, sometimes go down the rabbit hole on, on things that really aren't going to make a difference. Um, and, and we get caught up in those traps. But most Americans right now are feeling the pain in their pocketbook. Um, they're seeing the threats in their street. They're seeing increases in crime. They're seeing their kids not being able to go to school, perhaps, because they're having to, to move the kids out of the school to put 
illegal immigrants um, and to house them. That's happening in communities across the country. You're seeing sex trafficking um, and, and human trafficking and increases in crime. I mean, I have these roundtables with law enforcement officers in my district, and they'll tell you in Dallas and, and, and in Fort Worth, you're seeing double digit increases in some crimes as a direct result of what's happening at the border. It is our job to talk about those issues. And even if that means going on, you know, other other media programs, you know, getting getting the pushback, <laughs> we're still having to do it right. <laughs> because we have to be able to reach all Americans and not just those that <clears throat> are in our, uh, are, are already in our, in our, in our scope. Hey folks, I've thought about contingency planning for years. I was a graduate of the Naval War College. One of the things that we talked about all the time was what happens when things go wrong. Maybe that's a natural disaster, but what happens when the power goes out in your house for an hour, maybe a day, maybe weeks or months? Will you be ready? Could you power all of the things that you and your family needs, medical devices, electronics, tablets, computers, or even your refrigerator to make sure that you have a food supply? Well, guess what? With the Patriot Power Generator 2000X, you wouldn't have to worry about any of that. And it comes with a free solar panel because that's what powers it. You don't need to worry about gas or filling it up or running and hoping that that's all there. Nope, the Patriot Power Generator works just off the solar panels that come with it. If you go to fourpatriots.com slash Spicer, you can check out this great, great deal that they have. Fourpatriots.com slash Spicer. You get the Patriot Power Generator, which powers all of those things, a refrigerator, medical devices, all the things that you would need in time of an emergency come with it. And the best part is it's portable. It can run in your house. You can put it in your car. Those are the kind of things that get you ahead of the things that you never want to deal with. Go right now to fourpatriots.com slash Spicer and check out the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. This will be your savior in a time of an emergency. That leads me into the good, which is last night by a single vote, the House Republicans impeached Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of, of um, Homeland Security. Yeah. Just walk me through the floor vote before we get into the details. Like, the last vote was sunk by one vote. Steve Scalise was back. Were you guys going into this vote confident that you had the votes or were you a little no, worried we as the clock ticked? I, I know we were we were confident. We were confident that we had the votes. I mean, you had two folks who were missing from Florida <clears throat> because of plane flight, you know, plane issues. That that will happen, especially when you have a narrow majority. There's always that threat. But I think people knew exactly, you know, the three members that were going to vote against it. They were very clear in why they were voting against it. Obviously, the vast majority of us did not agree. We thought that uh, the crimes that Mayorkas has, has committed that has led to just, uh, just a complete disaster, not only at the border, but in communities, as we just talked about throughout the country, um, that we, we needed to, to push through with our commitment. And I want to, you know, do props out to Mark Green uh, in his committee with Homeland Security. He's chairman of Homeland Security, but his committee did a great job. Very, very different than what we saw under Nancy Pelosi in their impeachment of Trump, which was we're going to impeach and then we're going to figure out why. Right. You know, they painstakingly went through <clears throat> on, on all of these these emails. And they let fact lead to the fact that he needed to be impeached. They found memos where he was you know, very much guiding uh, uh, CBP and Immigration and Customs Enforcement to not only ignore the law, but then in some cases to to um, to to go go in the face of the law. You know, the catch and release program, the parole program; those were all examples of 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 policies that were never passed by Congress. In fact, were at the exact opposite of the intent of laws currently on the books at, at, at our border. But I think you know the the 
we, we all clapped and were very happy that we were able to, to push through with our commitment to, to hold a member of the cabinet accountable for his actions that have you know, um, um, threatened and damaged our national security. But it's a shame that we even had to do that. We should have an administration that cares about you know, the American citizens, making sure that they're safe, especially in the perilous times that we live in. But we were forced to have to have that vote. And I think American people right now want to, sh- want to make sure that Congress is holding these people accountable because it happens so infrequently that last night, yeah, I, I hated to have to do that. It had to be done. And-, and as you saw, it was a very, very narrow majority by one vote that we won. So wh- where does this go from here? Meaning it's technically goes to the Senate. A lot of the senators yeah. over there, including a bunch of Republican senators, mm-hmm. uh, one from Indiana said that it was a colossal waste of time. Um, I get we don't have the majority over there, but how do you think yeah. this thing plays out? I think I think the Senate is probably not going to pass. As, as you can imagine, they're going to vote against impeachment, which is fine. But you know, as, as a member of the House, our job is not to do what we think that the Democrat-led Senate is going to vote on. That's not what we're voting for. Again, I think American people want to see accountability. And that is exactly what we delivered for them last night. Okay, so you've got Mayorkas impeached, but you folks in Texas know all too well the implications of a open border. What What is the bigger plan, if you will, to address policy and funding concerns at the border? Well, what you're seeing from Texas right now with their Operation Lone Star is they've had to put in $5 billion last year to do the job the federal government refuses to do. And this year, they've put in $6.43 billion into the budget. But you're seeing results. I think, you know, uh, Abbott and what he has done and what the state legislator, later legislators have done has been phenomenal. And it shows that when you enforce your laws, that people actually stop committing crimes, you know, when, when, there's, a, when there's a deterrent. And by actually securing our borders, what, uh, what Abbott's been able to achieve is a 76% drop in illegal immigrants coming over our borders. Between uh, December and January, they saw a 76% drop. Now they're going to other states, they're going to places like Arizona, they're going to places like uh, California, and now you're even seeing an influx at our northern border um, as a result. But if the other states led by the federal government were to enforce our laws, people like Tom Homan will tell you we could have control of our border tomorrow. But they're not doing that. So, you know, HR2 was our, that was the House's solution, um, which basically uh, codified a lot of the policies that were put in place under the Trump administration. Uh, it would have continued uh, um, building of the wall, uh, you know, the border wall. It would have uh, stopped the catch and release program. It would have worked with local law enforcement agencies, both at the state and federal and uh, local level, with immigrations and customs enforcement to deport uh, criminal illegal aliens. It would have had people being turned away at our border instead of being let in and, and sent on buses and trains across our country, buses and planes across our country. It would have stopped people at the border and had the Remain in Mexico policy or the first safe country policy continue. Considering, considering that you know 80 to 90 percent of the people who apply for asylum don't even meet the requirements for asylum, but having them come into our country not knowing where they're going, having no um, uh, form of ID even. It just seems like it's it's a crazy thing. We've seen over 10 million people enter, but it's also working on technology that would increase things like fentanyl coming in, where we've seen over 110,000 Americans who have died from that. Um, it was a good, strong bill. To me, it didn't go strong enough. I think part of what we have to do is actually have a strategy that goes after the cartels. There are the ones that are making money hand over fist, literally a multi-billion dollar industry. And right now we're looking at the symptom 
we're looking at securing our borders, but we actually have to go after ways, mechanisms of being able to stop Mex the Mexican cartels because we do not have a friend in President Obrador. He is not working. It's not in his best interest to protect our borders. Um, and in fact, when I had a meeting with him last year, he, he blamed American parents, you know, for fentanyl deaths. It was completely absurd. But but when we see the Biden administration basically partnering, you know, and allowing these Mexican cartels to to run our southern border, it's time for, for change. So I think HR, the, you know, HR2, our border security bill of 2023 was a strong bill. It could have gone stronger, but it's sitting languishing in the Senate. And it's been there since May. So all of these, these false narratives that, oh, Republicans don't want to do anything, Republicans aren't willing to pass a bill, you know, that would address border concerns is nonsense. We absolutely did that. And the Senate sat on it since May. What, what are your concerns? I, I've asked this a bunch from other folks. Like yeah. the, I, I, this morning, it was like, or actually it was last night, both the NBC News and ABC News, it infuriated me because they were House Republicans have, uh, you know, because of election concerns, refused to take up a bipartisan border bill, which I'm thinking to myself, it's not a border bill. It's like that Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. It's not a Tuma. It was like, it's not a border bill. But what, what, no, what, it was, what a was your, bill. But, but yeah. let me just answer. Let me play the, the straw man for a second. Yeah. The, 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 Lester Holtz and David Muir last night sort of played this whole, you know, Republicans did it for political. What would be the harm in passing that bill, because according to them, at least it moves the ball forward. Well, it basically, it normalizes the numbers, the obscene numbers that we're right. seeing coming in over the border. I mean, it would allow up to, on a single day, 8,500 people in. On an average, it was 5,000, 5,500 people a day for, for an average over a week. But look at those numbers. And when you start doing the math, that's 2 million people that they're fine letting in illegally. And and it puts that as, as, the, base, as the baseline. Um, why would we want to normalize those numbers? That's five times right. you know, a, a, a crisis number under the previous administration. Why 5,000? Why not 1,000? Why not 500? Where they picked that number, I have no idea. And so, well, it could be worse to me is not, is not a, a proper way to now, pass a bill. Uh, I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, Delta Rescue. You guys have heard me talk about Delta Rescue before. It was founded by a guy named Leo Grillo. He started rescuing animals. He first one he rescued was a Doberman. And then he founded Delta Rescue. And if you go on deltarescue.org, you can check out the great work they do. Just click on one of the videos. If you're an animal lover, I've rescued three dogs. I know what it's like to, you hear stories about, you know, shelters that can take care of them for this long or that long. Delta Rescue is a no-kill sanctuary, not a shelter, a sanctuary. If they take these dogs in, give them the nutrition, uh, the veterinarian care and let them roam free. It's amazing what they do. And Leo has done an amazing job of helping to fund this place. And so if you go to deltarescue.org, you can give five, 10, 100, 1,000, whatever you want to support this mission if you're an animal lover. But more importantly, there's a estate planning kit there. If you can help make De Delta Rescue an enduring mission, which is what Leo really wants to make this go on forever so that we can keep taking in dogs, cats, horses, other animals that are being neglected and abused and abandoned, please do that. Go download that kit. See if it can be part of your estate planning. Go to deltarescue.org and take it there. Like I said, I, I wanted you to answer the question because I keep hearing from these folks in the media, well, yeah. It would have got. It would have at least taken a step forward, and it would have quote gotten you guys, uh, you know, so much of what you wanted. And I'm like, what? Like what? 
Yeah. I agree with you. It's like, like so the we would have codified, we would have, yeah. we would have literally legitimized illegal immigration. And the yeah. thing that I find so fascinating, I've, I brought this up, I don't know, whatever it was, not this Sunday, but the Sunday before, 60 Minutes, no friend to conservative causes, did this expose where they're yeah. showing, you know, literal holes in the border where there's a Chinese TikTok video showing people how and where to come, how to cross the border. The border patrol sits there. These, they're not even trying to close the gaps and force people to a legal port of entry. They're coming in and we're allowing it. And the most basic yeah. things, that doesn't take an act of Congress. That's just them saying, hey, we'll put more razor wire there. We'll close that gap. So, you know, when they asked, when uh, the, the reporter asked the, the landowner, the private landowner, you know, have you flagged this? He said, yeah, they told me call mm -hmm. Washington. And then Washington told them it's on the list. And I mean, it's just, there are so many things that I feel like if this administration really wanted to show that they were serious, just yeah. doing some basics would be at the top of the list. You are absolutely right. Continuing the policies that were working before, instead of shutting down construction of the wall day one, instead of ending on, you know, uh, the, the Remain in Mexico poly in, policy, instead of you know, in doing their, their catch and release, instead of having parole on a case-by-case -case basis, as, as, as the law is written, instead of having, they have mass parole. They could be doing things, but in addition to but, what but, they can killed, I just they're fighting I don't mean Texas. But I don't mean to interrupt Texas. you, but like, if you yeah. come through a, a legal point of entry and claim asylum, we all get that that's a joke. Most yeah. of these people don't even come close to, to meeting the standards. Right. right. And then the ones that get in don't show up for the hearing. Okay. So right. let's just, but the ones who enter through a non-designated point of entry are by, by, by every definition breaking the law. They are entering our country yeah. illegally. We shouldn't, this should be non-negotiable. If you come in through the other thing, that's our laws that are letting them in. They've, they've yeah. gamed the system through a legal point of entry in terms of the asylum process, which we can reform. Mm -hmm. But the ones who are literally coming through a gap in the hole or going and breaking through the fence or cutting wire, that's illegal. And I just don't understand why that's even negotiable. And, and Abbott putting up the wire to make sure that they're not yes. is, is how, how Texas is responding. And the federal government, not only are they where, where they may have openings, are they letting them in, but they're forcing Texas, they're going in and they're, they're, they're cutting down the wire. They're right. opening up the borders. So, <clears throat> you know, my orc is to say that we've got a closed border while they are literally physically are opening it up. You know, one is a complete lie, you know, lie to the American people, lie to Congress, but two, it's this precedent that this administration has set. And you got to think of why, Right. We, we all have heard, well, you're letting 10 million people, eventually they're going to give them citizenship. They want to be able to have them vote and they're going to vote Democrat. It's even more short term than that. Okay. When you listen to representatives like Yvette Clark out of New York, and she's talking about how she's losing population in her district. You know, California, New York lost congressional seats. They need to have that population increase. When you look at the 10 million people who oh, by the way, just so everyone understands what new congressional but, seats, by the way, 14. The, to, just to put a pin on this for people who don't get, I think, the law, when, yeah. when the Census Bureau goes out every 10 years and does that census, it's not counting citizens, it's counting people. people. And this gets to exactly what you're saying. If, if 10,000 illegals are in a district, they get counted towards your congressional yes. district, which is more money, which is more, I mean, like, that's what I think people don't fully appreciate. Control. 
Yes, it it's all, all about, about control. control and power. And they don't care the fact that you have seen double-digit increases in crime, that you've seen triple-digit increases in fentanyl poisonings. That's not a concern. It's all about the power. It's all about keeping their congressional seats. And like I said, yeah. you know, Representative Clark, she said it. These are not being made up. They said yeah. it. This is why they want them there, because they have to have an increased population. They don't want to lose any more congressional seats. So so let me ask you this, uh, just uh, to, to put a pin in this yeah. this subject for a second. Well, I want if I if I tie everything together between the Santos seat, what you said about messaging, what's going on in impeachment, excuse me, what's going on on the border, Republicans have probably the greatest winning issue uh, to discuss and contrast our vision with theirs, our policy with theirs, our America, our future with theirs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it transcends everyone. You care if you're the biggest lefty, you care about. Uh, women and children and, and them being trafficked, something that you brought up, the fentanyl that's coming off. There's no issue that doesn't attract somebody on the ideological scale. From the furthest left to the furthest right, what's happening at the border undermines issues that everybody cares about. It transcends party. And and so goes back to something that you said earlier. What is the conference, the House Republican conference, doing to sort of say, guys, this is our issue. This is the hill to die on. There is nothing that we're going to, that we would be fighting for that doesn't transcend every single voter, every single legal American to say, we are going to plant our flag. We are going to pass, you know, pass HR 2 18 more times or whatever, or put pressure on the Senate. I think the border visits were great. What is it that is being done? Is there a strategy that says, fine, guys, we have it. Let's do it. Let's execute. Well, from a policy standpoint, obviously what we're trying to do is connect the HR2 bill and those provisions to anything that we pass, <clears throat> whether or not it's it's funding for the government, whether or not it's appropriations. We try to pass it on to a, you know, any kind of a continuing resolution. You know, I think we really missed the ball, you know, several months ago when we actually had a very short-term funding bill that had a 30% cut in discretionary spending. And it had HR2 provisions attached to it, but we had 21 Republicans that voted against it. That was a mistake because what we ended up getting was just a clean CR. I'll continue to vote against those clean CRs. But I, that when you say you need a hill, that, that is this a hill willing to die? And I have said that repeatedly. Our national security, especially being a Texas representative, has got to come and has got to be a priority. Any spending bill that we get, that has got to be attached to it for me to to be able to to support it. I think you're seeing that. I think uh, Speaker Johnson has been very clear that that is a priority over in the House, that we are pushing that with any bill that we're going to send over to the Senate. It has to be attached to it. You see members who are talking on on camera. You see members that are on the floor. You see members that when they go to their their, um, um, districts, this is what our number one conversation is with our constituents. Um, with the media, because it is hitting every single community. It is the number one issue in America right now, and you're seeing Biden's polling numbers tank as a result of this issue. It's not just a winning issue. It shouldn't be, we shouldn't be, this is a losing issue for right. America. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, fact no, is, I, is that we're pointing it out. We've got right. solutions to be able to fight it. And as a result, we're seeing you know Democrats who are fighting against it. Even even mayors that were uh, you know once sanctuary city mayors that have finally you know, re- recognized that this is a problem, they're not asking for the Biden administration to implement Trump policies that were working that kept these immigrants, illegal immigrants out of their city. They're asking for more money. They want billions of dollars of more money, which on top of you know, a 34 plus trillion dollar debt that we currently have, 
We can't afford it. It's not sustainable. When we're kicking kids out of schools to be able to make way for illegal immigrants, when you go to an emergency room and you can't get health care from people who actually pay for it because we don't have we don't have the capacity right now, services that are being stripped that cities should be offering to their residents who are paying for it, they can't because they have too many illegal immigrants coming in. It's not just a crime issue. It's also a quality of life issue. It's a sustainability issue. Those are things that Republicans should be talking about that Americans are seeing, you know, in their neighborhoods and in their communities. It's it's an issue that is has been allowed to uh, uh, fester under this administration, which is why I'm hoping in November you're going to see a complete change, um, um, not only in the president in the president's seat, but also in the House and in the Senate. So let me just get back to what I was asking, though, because yeah. you're, yes is the answer. You're right. And I, I think you put it better than I did. It's, it's a losing issue for the country because either we allow people 10 million so far and continuing to come in and take over a country. We undermine our own rule of law. And then we have all of those that vast array of issues that you brought up in terms of threats to the country and fentanyl of trafficking, et cetera. But I guess what I'm getting at is. Are Republicans doing anything strategically to say, this is the issue that we will plant our flag on, that we will take everything down on, that we'll shut the house down. We will fight for this. We have a message that resonates and and we have a plan, right? That's actually probably the best way of asking this. Is there a plan from the top or from leadership that says, all right, folks, we're going to go make this case better than ever has been made before. It's going to be coordinated. It's going to be succinct. It's going to have the materials, all of the things that you just articulated is it going beyond what Beth Van Dyne said and saying, okay, let's let's put what she said in a bottle and give it to everybody? Yeah, well, I, we have been talking about this for years, not just right. months. So, but why, yeah. <laughs> but, what, but why isn't, this is the, the contract with America moment. This is the time when it says, all right, whether you live in Maine or California, Texas, or Montana, yeah. this is an issue that we can all get behind and we are committed and united as Republicans to lay out, I mean, if you ask the average person in Dallas or Fort Worth where you represent, you know, HR2, they're going to go, I don't know, I may have heard about it in passing. But when you enumerated all the provisions, everyone's going, yes, yes, and twice of that. Yeah. What, are we going to have a, a strategy that Republicans say, this is what we're for, these are the five planks to secure our country? So I think I think you have seen that. And I'm saying, yes, Speaker Johnson has been very clear. The conference has been very clear. These are conversations that we, again, have been having, especially looking at the impeachment of Mayorkas. We have been very consistent and pointing out what's happening, not only in our districts, not only in our op-ed pieces, not only on the floor, not only in committee hearings, but in the bills that we are pushing forward, the bills that we are introducing, the amendments that we're talking about, and the fact that we're trying to force it through any kind of spending mechanism that we're sending to the Senate. So yes, this conference is 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 completely on board that this is the number one issue facing America. It's a threat. We have got to face it. And I think we've been very articulate in that. And we've also been able, been very proactive as House members of making sure that we are sending over to the Senate a solution in that HR2 bill and other bills. So okay. yeah, I think we're all working together. I think we've got those, it's not just talking points, it's sending out facts. And again, I, you know, the, the Homeland Security Committee did a great job of identifying where those facts were. And I think the more that we talk about it, the more people are going to recognize the fact that this was a created crisis, that the Biden administration did it to, to keep power, 
This is all about dollars and about power and sending it to areas that they thought were going to be blue. That's it. But, but that's it. And, and yeah, we're, we're fighting it tooth and nail because the fact is it's, it's destructive. You're seeing our future completely destroyed as a result. We have no idea how long it's going to take us to, to look in, in, in the, to the 10 million people who have come over, the 110,000 deaths, the parents that I've already had to talk to who have lost children as a result of fentanyl poisoning. You've got no idea the damage that this has done to our country. And the fact is they don't care. Well, I appreciate you fighting the fight. Thank you for being Thank with you. us and, and continuing to push this. I don't think there's a, an issue that's bigger. And, yeah. and you've been a champion and a voice for common sense and for securing the country. And I appreciate that. Thanks for being with us again today. Thank you very much. I enjoyed that conversation with her because I think she she's one of the few that really gets this and can message this succinctly. We, as I said to her, this is the best deal going for Republicans. There is no one that you can talk to that thinks things are going well especially at a border, and the consequences, the devastating consequences they will have on this country as we know it. It is a joke what's happening down there. And, uh, and so I appreciate um, her perspective. I just, I, these guys, I hope to God, truly, that they rise to the moment and realize that we need to have a plan. Don't just send anyone out there and hope that people know what we're doing. Hope that voters get this. We need to draw a map here and succinctly explain what's happening. And saying HR2, as I said to Beth, isn't the, I mean, I get it. That that was a great piece of legislation that got things actually moving in the right direction. But most people don't know what HR2 is. I didn't, I mean, until you tell people. So we need to explain the problem and, and why Republicans have the solution and how Biden and all of the Democrats are dropping us. They won't even do the basics, right? We talked about this. The razor wire is right there. Just loop it up. And they're suing the state of Texas to cut it, to cut holes in illegal points of, ent of entry. This is a no-brainer. You can't actually say that you care about the border or national security and then say we're going to sue Texas to open it up. You can't have it both ways, folks. Um, by the way, two other things that I want to get to, or at least one. I mentioned this yesterday, but I want to illuminate on this a little, illuminate this issue a little bit. Corinne Jean-Pierre, I've always joked she has a babysitter in Admiral John Kirby when he was out there. He's the national security spokesman for coordinated this. It was a made-up title. He actually doesn't work at the for the National Security Council. They needed a reason to have him there to babysit Corinne Jean-Pierre. Well, yesterday's New York Times comes out. She had, he, he got a promotion. He is now assistant to the president. He's on par with her, right? There's only 25 people in the White House that get this. It's a rank very much similar to the military. They're called commissioned officers. And they put him on par with her now rank-wise. He is her colleague. He is her peer. And they tell this story in the New York Times that when they sort of did this little reception for Corinne, the president walked over and said, don't worry, you'll have an admiral looking over you. And this is, you know, obviously back when Saki had stepped down. That's what's happening. That she's, Corinne Jean-Pierre they're, they're admitting it. They're saying the quiet part out loud. But in this New York Times story, what of course they're doing, oh, you're attacking a, a black female. It's always about gender identity when you bring up the obvious. She is a babysitter every single day to go out there and say stupid things and admit that she doesn't know what's going on and parrot lies and misinformation. So they bring out Kirby. I mean, it's unbelievable. I wish I could have gotten away with this stuff. And yet here we are all saying what everybody knows about how bad she is. And what do they do? They rush to her defense and saying, oh, you're attacking a black gay woman. 
No, we're attacking incompetence. It's just everywhere in this administration because they came in with identity politics as their lead. Anyway, uh, we have a great panel set up for tomorrow. And then on Friday, Linda McMahon, she was the administrator of small business under the Trump administration. She heads and chairs the America First Policy Institute, which we talked about a lot. I want to get her take on that. Plus WWE. I mean, who can't, right? A lot coming your way the rest of this week. Thanks for tuning in. Continue to subscribe and share. We'll see you back here tomorrow on The Sean Spicer Show.